Good morning. Welcome to Woodburn Baptist Church. My name is Tim Harris. I am pastor and uh, blessed to be here with you this morning. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of online worship today. I'll tell you one thing. I can't wait till this place has worshipers in person again and we are getting much closer. The deacons met last Sunday and we now have a plan to begin a slow, careful, but sure move toward uh, getting this place back up and running. So be patient with us. Wait for more and more information coming out from our deacons. We'll be training volunteers uh, for uh, welcoming folks in. So be in prayer. We're closer than we've ever been. You know, at the same time, God has done amazing and beautiful things during this time of quarantine. Do you understand that we've had more people join the church and we've had more people come to Christ, salvations, during these three months of quarantine than the Three, first three months of the year when we were all here. So even though things are different and some of us feel very, very disconnected, the Holy Spirit is at work blessing our church, and, uh, and these are in some ways very, very good days for the kingdom of God at Whitburn Baptist Church. So continue to be faithful. Be faithful to give. Be faithful to worship and to pray. Don't just pray for us. I mean, certainly pray for us, but pray for all of our 2020 partners around the world. You know, lately I've been so thankful to God that he just blessed us and allowed us to see that vision fulfilled in 2019 because as it turns out, 2020 is just not the year, you understand? And so how amazing and beautiful that God allowed that work to be uh, reached that uh, big milestone before 2020 hits, and here we are. So God is so very, very good. I am in the middle of a sermon series entitled Boy's Life. I'm preaching to boys. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't listen if you're a girl or a woman or a full-grown man. This is for you too. I'm preaching the Word of God, so that means it applies to everybody, but I just have a very, very strong burden for my little brothers in our church and, and in the kingdom of God and in our country today. It continues to be a very, very distressing and uh, worrisome time for our country. And uh, without getting political or going into any of that, I just fully believe that the issue is really a lack of leadership. And uh, for the most part, I just don't understand where the men are anymore. When I see the news, I see young men throwing bricks through windows. And I just ask myself, where are the fathers? Where are the fathers? Where are the men? Where are the leaders? In the past, we had leaders. We had leaders who would cast vision, leaders who would preach, leaders who would stand up. And these days, we just have fewer and fewer of those. That's why I'm preaching to you, little dude. I want you to understand the world needs you. The kingdom of God needs you. Your church needs you. Your family needs you. You cannot afford to live this life without finding God's purpose for you. Do you understand, little brother, that God has a purpose. God has a mission. God has a crusade. God has a good fight for you to fight. You've got to learn to fight the good fight. Because if you don't, you'll end up fighting something dumb. You'll end up in some sort of dumb fight. You'll end up standing up for something that isn't worth standing up at all. You know, the old saying is, you got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. And what that, of course, means is you got to find something worth standing for. One day, a, a young man called me and said, Pastor Tim, I need your help. And he, he just sort of explained to me that he wanted to make a difference in the world and he needed my help. I'll tell you, I'm always on the side of a young man making a difference. So I said, dude, I'm happy to talk to you. Let's get together. So we got together and we started talking. And it turns out he, he, he sort of had... You know, uh, he wanted to make a difference. What it was was he had seen on Facebook 
or the internet somewhere that he thought that Mountain Dew was going to stop making Code Red. And so he had a petition for me to sign. You know, he was going to send a petition to Mountain Dew. And his big idea was maybe if I would write a letter to the Mountain Dew people on church letterhead, that, you know, we could get them to, you know, save Code Red. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I... Uh, uh, I love seeing a young man with passion and vision. I, I love that. I love somebody that wants to make a difference. But surely, to goodness, we got bigger fish to fry. I mean, surely, to goodness, there, there, there is a greater purpose than, you know, Mountain Dew. I, I mean, Mountain Dew's important. Don't, don't get me wrong. But do you understand what I'm saying, little brother? you got to find something worth fighting for. You've got to find the purpose that, that Christ gives you. you. What you have to understand is that you have to learn to stand up for Jesus and the things that Jesus stands for, which means you stand up for truth. You stand for the gospel. You stand up for the lost and the poor and the weak. You, you learn to stand up for the things that Jesus stands for. And there's your good fight right there. There's your purpose. What I want you to understand is that uh, men learn to stand up. Men stand. Boys sometimes just sort of float through life, but, but men eventually learn to take a stand. And a man stands for the things that Jesus stands for, even when it's unpopular. And little brother, can I just tell you that in this world that we live in, standing up for Jesus is never, ever going to make you popular. As a matter of fact, it can be dangerous. But I think you're up to it. Turn to Daniel. I should have told you earlier because Daniel's hard to find. Turn in your Bible or in your phone. Uh, look up the book of Daniel in the Old Testament and, and find it there. While you're looking, I just want to let you know uh, the, the five sermons that I'm preaching, the themes of those sermons come out of a book by Brian Tome called Five Marks of a Man. This is a good little book. It would be good for you, young man. It would be good for you, old man. This is just a really, really good book for men. It is very thin. Uh, with really, really big words, so it's probably right up your alley. But listen, Five Marks of a Man by Brian Tome, it, it, it's a good book. Find it, read it. And now, Daniel chapter 3, this is a great passage. It's a great passage for boys. It's a great passage for men. It's a great passage for anybody and everybody who wants to learn to stand up for Jesus. Here we go, Daniel chapter 3, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three boys, here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar made a gold statue 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then he sent messages to the high officers, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue he had set up. So all these officials came and stood before the statue King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You ready? Then a herald shouted, people of all races and nations and languages, listen to the king's command. When you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments, bow to the ground to worship King Nebuchadnezzar's gold statue. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
But some of the astrologers went to the king and informed him on the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, long live the king. You issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and the other musical instruments. That decree also states that those who refuse to obey must be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whom you have put in charge of the province of Babylon. They pay no attention to you, your majesty. They refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue you've set up. Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage and ordered that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought before him. When they were brought in, Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you refuse to serve my gods or to worship the gold statue I have set up? I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made when you hear the sound of the musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue you have set up. I like those boys. I like those boys. Shadrach. Meshach and Abednego are boys. I don't know if you've read the whole story, but you know they're uh, like prisoners. Their land had been conquered by the Babylonians, and they had been taken away as boys, taken from their families, uh, robbed of their identities their whole life, and now in Babylon, given these positions and. You can see that King Nebuchadnezzar's really working on them to try to squeeze them into his mold. He wants to make good Babylonian pagans out of them. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are different. I, I know sometimes, little brother, you think about making a difference in the world. But I just got to tell you, you can't make a difference if you're not different. You have to be different. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are different. They're different in a lot of ways, and this isn't the first time the difference has come out, but I'm telling you, this is the test here. This is the moment of truth. This is when they lay their lives on the line for what they believe. So King Nebuchadnezzar is a wicked king, a, a, a very uh, egomaniacal king. He's all about himself, right? All about pride. So he makes this statue. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say it was a statue of himself, but, but who else is it going to be? It's a statue of him, himself. It is nine stories tall. Now, there are no nine-story buildings in Woodburn to compare this to, no nine-story buildings in Franklin, so we're, we're kind of out of luck. But, but picture a nine-story building, like 90 feet tall. It's really, really tall, but the thing is, it's really, really skinny. It's only nine feet wide. So if this is supposed to be a statue of the king, got problems. Because this is more like, you know, toothpick man. I mean, seriously. It's nine feet wide, 90 feet tall. This is not a very epic piece of sculpture. 
There's solid gold, which makes it beautiful and valuable, but honestly, it's going to look weird. It had to look weird. It's, it's long and skinny and stretched out. I mean, there's no way that this thing looks anything other than just laughable. It's ridiculous. Maybe solid gold, maybe nine stories tall, but when they roll this thing out on the cart, everybody's going to just laugh. I mean, you know everybody's just going to laugh, except they don't. Nobody laughs. I mean, this, you know, solid gold, you know, ridiculousness should just make you double over laughing. I mean, it's got to be funny, but it ain't funny because King Nebuchadnezzar has declared that when the music plays, Everybody in the whole kingdom, like everybody in the world, they got to fall on their face and worship it. Worship. Little brother, I know you're thinking that worship is what we do at church, and, and truly it is what we do at church, but understand what worship is. Worship is to recognize that something or someone is the very center of your life. Worship is to recognize or realize that you are in the presence of the most important thing in the universe. That's what worship is. It's to give worth to something, and it's to give ultimate worth. So it is to say that this thing right here that I'm bowing down in front of, it is the most important thing in the, in the universe. It's worship. So King Nebuchadnezzar's made this ridiculous statue, and he's declared that when the music plays, Everybody has to fall on the ground and roll around and worship this thing. In other words, they got to act like this ridiculous statue is the most important thing in the whole world. They've got to make it like the center of their whole life. They got to roll around on the ground and act like this statue is in the place of God. Now, nobody believes that. Nobody believes that. Nobody in the kingdom had their heart in that. You know that. I know that. They rolled this ridiculous golden toothpick out there, and the whole world just rolls on the ground like it's the most amazing thing they've ever seen in their life. But they're faking it. They don't mean that. They're faking it. They're not actually worshiping. They're just going through the motions because King Nebuchadnezzar's crazy. King Nebuchadnezzar has said that anybody who does not fall on their face and roll around and act like it's the most important thing in the whole world, they're going to be put to death, burned alive. So that's what happens. They roll this ridiculous you know, golden toothpick out into the middle of the crowd and the music plays and everybody falls on their face, but not everybody. There's these three boys. They're boys. Probably maybe young teenagers. Think like ninth graders. They just stand there. Whole world falls on their face. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they, they, they stand there. You know, one thing that stands out here to me, and this is just kind of a side little brother, but I just love the fact that it's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, when I, when I say one, I'm going to say all three names because they're together in this. It means a lot to have, you know, brothers. It means a lot to have somebody to stand with. I, I think if Shadrach were by himself, he probably still would have stood there and been brave, but, man, it would be a lot harder. It's, it's better when you got Meshach beside you and, and Abednego. It's hard to stand up when you know it's dangerous. It's hard to stand up when you know that nobody's going to like it. 
I mean, these guys are good boys, and they've always been trained to follow the rules, but this is one rule they cannot follow. They're not going to roll around on the ground and act like this solid gold nothing is God because they know God. They know who God is, and their worship only belongs to God. They're not going to fake it, not even for the sake of their lives. They will not do it, and that's what makes them awesome. They stand there. You know, when I was growing up, I never had a lot of courage. I, I didn't. And I really didn't have a lot of courage standing up for Jesus, like at school. I remember one time, my mama bought all my school supplies for the beginning of school, which is a really big deal. I always loved that. I mean, you know, nerd alert. Like, I thought that was cool to get new notebooks and, you know, new pencils and crayons and, you know, a, a new backpack. Man, I just, I'm all about that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but I remember my mom, you know, who's, you know, a lot of you know my mother, like she's this amazing, crazy Christian lady, and she always has been. My mama... Like, didn't just buy me, like, notebooks, brand-new notebooks, which were amazing. I couldn't wait to walk in school with them, except my mama put, like, bought a book of Jesus stickers and put Jesus stickers on all of it. I just remember thinking how hard that was going to be to walk in school with a notebook with Jesus stickers on it. I mean, I didn't know anybody in the whole school that had Jesus stickers on their notebook. and That's my mama, you know, just sort of t- teaching me how to stand up for Jesus. But you know what? In school, I found out that there were other Christians. There were other, other, other boys who, who loved Jesus. And through the years, I learned to get a lot of strength from them. I went all the way through school with Mark McRoy. Mark McRoy is still one of my best friends in the world. Mark McRoy has always been a very strong man of God. Even when he was a boy, he can't drive, y'all. He'll, he'll wreck the car. But he, he loves Jesus. He, he's always loved Jesus. And the way he loved Jesus made me love Jesus more. I got to go to high school with Steve Ayers, you guys. I mean, Steve Ayers, Pastor who of you. Steve Ayers has been Steve Ayers his whole life. And I can't tell you how much of a better man I am because I got to grow up with those boys. You see what I'm saying? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had each other. You know, I'm thinking now about the young men in, 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 our, in our youth group, our, our teenagers, our high school guys. It's, it's just kind of rotten when you, when you won't stand up with each other. I mean, it's one thing for one of you to go to school and try to be brave, but you know what? If you just go in there together, if you'd stand together, if you'd borrow strength and courage from one another, the courage and strength that comes from Jesus, I'm telling you, it's easier if you can stand with somebody. And it's just kind of rotten when you leave other Christian guys out there standing by themselves. Don't ever do that. Stand together. Stay together. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand up together. Now, as I said, everybody else is just faking it. Nobody believes that this solid gold toothpick of a statue, nobody really believes that that's anything worth worshiping. They just don't want to die for it. So they just fall on the ground and act like they're worshiping. It's all a show anyway. Music is playing, they just, you know, lay on the ground a minute till King Nebuchadnezzar walks on, and then they get up and get on with their day. They were faking it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will not fake it. When the word gets back to King Nebuchadnezzar, he calls them in for one more little, you know, a private interview. One private opportunity to fall on their faces and show him that they will be obedient, and they won't. 
I mean, these are good boys, and they like to follow the rules, but they will not follow a rule that causes them to deny their God. King Nebuchadnezzar says, maybe you boys didn't understand the instructions. When the music plays, you hit the ground. You fall on your face. You worship that statue, and I'll let you live. But if you refuse, you will be thrown into the burning furnace, the blazing furnace. Why don't they just fake it? Everybody's faking it. Nobody believes it. I mean, why don't they just fake it? Because, little brother, my hunch is, I mean, you you fake things sometimes. You you go through the motions. You you just sort of like to, you know, go with the flow. And, And faking it will always let you go with the flow. You, know, you don't have to really you know, do what everybody else is doing. You just act like you're doing what they're doing so that you don't you know, attract any attention. You just kind of want to blend in. Boys will always fake it to blend in. But, but men take a stand. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are men in this way. I, I just want to give you sort of a, a, a life lesson here. And this is just one thing, little brother. I, I can't say this strongly enough. Don't ever be one thing in your heart before God and another thing in front of people. See, this is what they refuse to do. They're not going to be one thing in their heart before God. They know who God is, and they know what God has said. And they're not going to be one thing in their heart before God and then something else with other people, something else with King Nebuchadnezzar. They will not do that, and you must not do that either. Don't get into the habit of of faking it. Don't get into the habit of trying to be one person with your parents and then another person when you're out with your friends. Don't ever get in the habit of being one person at church and another person at school. Don't do that. Don't ever do that. You don't want to split yourself in that way. You don't want to become a fake. Boys fake it to blend in, but men will take a stand. And this world needs men. We need you to be men. We need you not to fake it. We need you to stand up and be true. Don't ever be one thing in your heart before God and then something else with other people. Don't ever do that. Little dude, I've done this. There was a day on the playground at Rich Pine Elementary School when I was probably, uh, I don't know, second or third grade. It's a long time ago. It was a long time ago. And, and things were different. Things were different between African-American kids and and white kids, but I didn't really understand all of that. I, I always went to school with African-American kids at Rich Pond School. That, that's, that's a blessing. I never knew any different. And I loved my African-American classmates. I just did. I still do. They're still my friends after all of these years. But, but there was a day when some of the kids on the playground found this big white uh, mound of, of lime dust. It's, it's, it's a white powder. I don't know what they were using it for, maybe to mark the lines on the ball field or maybe to fertilize the grass, but, but it was just this big pile of white dust, kind of like flour. And so kids being kids on the playground, uh, they started throwing it. And they'd throw it, and it would make big clouds of you know, white dust in the, in the air, and that was fun. And then they started throwing it at each other. 
and then somebody got the idea that, that, that they could throw it at, at, I'll call him James. He was uh, an, an African-American boy in our class, and we all liked him. Everybody liked him. So it's hard to know where this comes from, but, but somebody decided it would be funny to make the black boy white. And so kids were, th- were throwing the dust at, at James. And he was running around the playground. And he, and he ran past me. I wasn't throwing dust. Honestly, I wouldn't have. I wasn't laughing. Because even then, that wasn't funny to me. I really liked James. But when James ran, ran past me, his face was completely white. You couldn't see one patch of dark skin except the tracks of his tears. The tracks of his tears were black. You could see his skin. What I'm saying, little brother, is that day, I didn't throw that dust. I didn't do that. And I didn't laugh, because it wasn't funny to me, not then and not ever. But I didn't do anything else either. Didn't do anything. Stood there and watched, watched my friend. He was such a good good kid. And you know what? He's such a good man today. 50 years later, he'll call me out of the blue. He's just a good man. But but this is what I'm saying. Now, I don't know exactly what I could have done that day. (laughs) Little brother, I know you look at me and you think, man, Pastor Tim, he probably works out. You know, what a, you know, what a, you know, (laughs) awesome machine I am. Um, I am useless in a fist fight. I mean, like, little dude, you could take me. I mean, I'm, I'm awful. I, I can't fight. I'm, I'm worthless. So if I'd have jumped in to help my buddy that day, you know, it'd just been, you know, I'd be telling you the story today of the day that, you know, every kid in the second grade beat me up and my, and my friend James. But can I tell you something, little brother? I'd rather be the 55-year-old man telling you the story of when every kid in the second grade beat me up. I'd rather be telling you that story today than telling you the story of watching my friend be mistreated and I didn't do anything. That's called regret. And I'm trying to tell you now, now, while you're young, now, while you still have an opportunity, you, you, you got to learn to take a stand. You've got to learn to stand up. You've got to learn to be strong. You've got to learn to be brave. You can't worry about people. You just can't worry about what people think. You can't worry about what people will say. Sometimes you just got to stand. Stand up. Stand up for your truth. Stand up for your friends. Stand up for your God. you just got to take a stand. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they took a stand that day, and they didn't care. 
They didn't care if they died for it. They were not going to kneel. They were not going to worship that solid gold, you know, sculpture of ridiculousness. They weren't going to do it. And I'm telling you, you've got to learn to take a stand like that. You've got to learn simply not to worry. What you have to do is learn not to fear people. Don't fear people. Don't worry that they may make fun of you. They're going to make fun of you for something anyway. I mean, people get made fun of. You're going to be made fun of. Get over it. Just stop worrying about that. Don't fear people and don't worry about what people can do to you because I know that people can mistreat you. I know if you stand up for the weak person, they'll mistreat you too. I understand how that works. You stand up for Jesus, I understand. You'll be made fun of. It may not be popular. But don't worry about people. Don't be afraid of people. Instead, you fear God. You you fear God. The book of Matthew, these are Jesus' own words. And Jesus says, don't be afraid of those who threaten you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. You understand? I mean, yeah, they maybe can, can harm your body, but there's something inside of you that belongs to God, and they can't touch that, and you don't give that up. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So God is the only one you fear. God is the only one you worship, and God is the only one that you kneel down before. You understand? You take your stand for him. You worship him, you fear him, and you fear him only. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego called before King Nebuchadnezzar. He said, I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, you worship this statue or you will die into the furnace. You know, I I love these guys. I I love them because, you know, this would be a good chance to say some awesome words. You know, like they could preach a little bit of the sermon. I just preached because I worked hard on that, you know. They, they could have read this verse to them, how they're not afraid of him, but fearing only God. That would have been good. But they don't say a whole lot. They just say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we don't have any reason to defend ourselves before you. We don't have to preach a sermon. We don't have to defend our faith. We don't have to explain ourselves. Our lives will explain themselves. You get that, little brother? It's just their life. You don't have to explain a lot when your feet just know how to stand there planted. You understand? Not moving. When you know how to stand for the truth, when you know how to stand for love, stand for justice, stand up for Jesus. You understand? You don't have to explain a lot. People get the message. King Nebuchadnezzar said, I'll throw you in my furnace, and then what God will rescue you from my power? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say, you know, uh, our God is able to deliver us from your little furnace. He'll deliver us from your power, but even if he doesn't, and I love that. You understand, those boys are ready to die, little brother. They're ready to die. So even if God doesn't deliver us, just mark this down, your majesty. We will never bow down to your nine-story, solid gold monstrosity of nothingness. And there they stood.
Well, brother, I... the world is not an easy place. And you sometimes want to make it easier by, uh, by sort of going with the flow, by blending in with, with the non-Christian world. But you're different. You're different because you belong to Jesus. You're different because God has his hand on your life. Your life is different. I love Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because, honestly, they'd rather die for the truth than to live a lie. And that's what I'm telling you. It's, it's better just to die for the truth than to live a lie. You don't want to live a lie. You don't want to act like you're one thing at church, one boy at church, another boy somewhere else. You don't want to be one boy with your mama, one boy with your daddy, one boy somewhere else. You, you just be the man that Jesus has called you to be. You, you stand up for the things that Jesus stands for. Otherwise, little brother, you're just going to waste your life. I don't know how to say this to you, little man, but... The world needs you. The world needs you. When I watch the news these days, and you may not watch the news, but when I watch the news these days, the one thing that just strikes me is we don't have any men who take a stand. We don't have any leaders. We don't have anybody that knows how to talk and persuade people. We don't have anybody standing up for Jesus. I say we don't have anybody. They're out there. A few, but we need you. We need your generation. My generation, me and all your dads, we haven't necessarily done a good job because the world around us is just sort of falling apart. The world we're handing over to you, it's, it's not going to be an easy world for you. Well, brother, you're going to have to be brave. You're going to have to grow up. You're going to have to learn to stand for something. And you have to find something worth standing for and standing upon. And I'm telling you, the only thing in the world worth standing on is the gospel of Jesus. You've got to learn to stand for Jesus and the things that Jesus stands for. Jesus stands for love and Jesus stands for peace. and Jesus stands for justice for people. Jesus stands for the lost and Jesus stands for the weak and Jesus stands for the poor. And that's where you've got to learn to stand. You may have other brothers that will stand beside you. I don't know. You may have to stand all by yourself. Brother, as long as I'm alive, as long as I've got breath, I'll stand with you. All I know is if, if you don't learn to stand for something, stand for Jesus, you're going to fall for anything. The world needs you. Kingdom of God needs you, strong and brave and ready to stand. I'm begging you, little dude, stand up. Stand up for Jesus. Let me pray for you. God, right now, I pray for the young men that are in the sound of my voice. God, this is not an easy world in which to become a man. <laughs> we don't have a lot of good examples. We don't look around and see a lot of men standing for Jesus. And so we just assume that there aren't any. 
or that it's not worth it. Or we don't even know what it means to stand for Jesus because we just don't see so many people standing up for him anymore. But Lord Jesus, I pray that you will cause my little brothers, Lord, the, the, the young men in our church, the young men in the sound of my voice, Lord, the generation rising up in the kingdom of God, Lord, I pray that you would rise up a generation of young men who are unstoppable who will stand strong for you, Lord, whether or not it's popular, whether or not it's dangerous, Lord, whether or not it gets them noticed, Lord, I just pray that you'll give them the strength to stand, never to bend their knee, Lord, never to fall in their face, Lord, never to simply go with the flow for the sake of, Lord, blending in with the world that has no idea who you are and what matters. Lord God, I pray for my little brothers, what I pray for our great church family, I pray for the sisters, Lord, I just pray for us all, Lord. You know how broken the world is. You know how desperately the world needs godly people who will stand up. Oh, God, teach us how to stand, to stand for you, to stand alone if necessary. But, Lord, as long as we have breath, may we stand together with one another. So the Lord, in this world of darkness and hatred, there will always be light and love because we are your people, because we refuse to kneel when we should be standing. Lord God, I pray that you'll give us the strength to stand and the wisdom to know what's worth standing up for. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, but for the sake of the world. Amen.